What's up, everyone? This is episode number 28 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And I want to start off today by letting you guys know that your work from this week did not go unnoticed. And I say that because I saw your tweets, I saw your Instagram post, you guys took to your email, you took to your social media after last week's episode, and you made it a point to get in touch with both PSA and Beckett to let them know that you're unhappy with their response or lack of response to some of the situations that we've seen them wrapped up in lately. So thank you for that. Uh, Maybe there are some more of you out there that are interested in helping, but you want to see an example of what I sent them. Check out my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast, or my Twitter, which is at Wax Museum PC. Um, I know there are some others out there who have posted some samples as well. Thank you. Um, You know, I know it might not seem like much, but I think your persistence can and will have some sort of impact on this industry. And I think this is also a good time for us as collectors and investors to kind of step back and assess what is our perception of progress. And as with any initiative to do something, it seems like there will always be naysayers out there. Well, there have been a few people this week that have actually taken the time to write out a post and tell me, you know, that these kinds of efforts won't do any good. And I've also then seen some people predict what they think BGS will say. Well, This is not directed at one person in particular, but I'm going to be fairly blunt here when I say, number one, if you're not going to try and help, get out of the way. And number two, as with any true attempt for dialogue, we need to let those companies speak for themselves. Um, Understand this, progress is not an all or nothing situation. And at the same time, I'm not disillusioned enough to think that a series of tweets and emails is going to bring about a complete overhaul of the grading industry. I've talked about grading reform before. We've had entire episodes devoted to that. Obviously, it's a massive undertaking. We don't have all the solutions we don't know. But at the same time, I think there are some simple changes that these companies owe their customers. A big one being logging serial numbers on modern cards. It's not a matter of can they do it or not. Because Beckett has slabbed cuts for Leaf products for nearly a decade now, and a lot of those include serial numbers as part of the labels. So I think that this is a, a basic, necessary first step for PSA and BGS, and I think we can create enough noise to help make that happen. Now, we might not see that manifest immediately, or maybe someone will end up building on the work in the future, but I want you guys to know that what you're doing now matters, so please keep at it. Okay, so with all of that being said then, um, we tried to get in touch with all of these companies with with PSA and BGS. Did we hear anything back in the first week? Several of you mentioned to me that you emailed PSA using the email address um, info at PSACard.com. So once again, that was info at PSACard.com. I've also tagged Joe Orlando in multiple posts on social media as of this recording, which this is, I'm recording this Thursday night, we still haven't heard a single word from them on any platform. Okay, and really the only time I've heard anything from them was the, um, the Joe Orlando article that I've referenced several times, and then also the recent conference call where they were either deflecting or shutting down these questions from investors. So um, I think we can conclude here that as of right now, PSA is definitely not into the whole dialogue thing. Uh, but we'll keep trying. Uh, 
Beckett, on the other hand, uh, initially seemed like they might be willing to have some sort of dialogue. I talked about my email to them on last week's episode. Um, I talked about the Curry RPA. Well, I messaged them about that card that, that I discovered had been slapped by them twice. Um, once before the alteration and then once after with the same serial number. Okay, so I messaged them about that card. It wasn't too long before they emailed me back saying, thank you for your email. We've been made aware of this issue and we'll be looking into it immediately. So, um, you know, that was promising at first. It was nice to actually get a reply. And that reply was, um, it was pretty quick. So throughout the course of this week, then I wanted to make sure that they were actually following up on this in some way. So I encouraged people to email them. And many of you did. Um, one of the show's listeners even shot them a message through Facebook regarding the Curry RPA. That was something I hadn't even thought of. That was a good idea. Um, so kudos to you. Um, and, and then BGS, uh, they actually replied. Okay, So they said, uh, thanks for the message. We don't know anything about this card, but appreciate you pointing it out. Okay, So they said, we don't know anything about this card. Um, that's obviously in direct opposition to what they emailed me a few days before. So uh, I really don't know what to make of that. Beckett, you got to get your act together. Um, and the whole time that this thing's been going on, you guys that, that follow my social media, you've seen it. I've tried to keep you updated on social media. Um, a lot of people that collect other sports seem to be really interested in this, and, and rightfully so, because it affects them too. Um, at one point, I looked down at my phone, you know, it's, it's getting a lot of different notifications. I looked down at my phone, and I noticed that another company had liked one of my tweets that I directed towards Beckett. And that company was SGC. Um, for those of you that maybe you're newer to collecting or maybe you just recently jumped back in, uh, SGC is, is a grading company. They've been around since the late 90s. It's been a very popular company for vintage baseball cards. Um, and I know you know other vintage cards as well, but primarily baseball. Um, their holders have, for lack of a better term, a kind of a black matting material in them and it, it sort of frames the card. It's different, but a lot of people really like the way that it looks. And um, I know a lot of listeners today probably collect modern basketball cards because that's a lot of what I focus on on here. And, and historically, we haven't seen a lot of those slapped by SGC, but it's not that they won't take them. It's just that people right now still seem to prefer BGS and PSA. Um, anyway, you can go back and you can Google some of the older SGC holders and labels to see what they look like. If I remember, I'll try and get one up on my Instagram this week. But um, for the longest time, you know, they graded cards on a scale from 10 to 100. And some people didn't like this. And, and part of the reason was just that the scale was a little bit confusing. It didn't line up like you might think. Um, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, a, a 10 would be a 1, um, a 20 would be a 2, and so on. Um, but it didn't quite line up like that. If you had a card that was a PSA 9, it's my understanding that it was an SGC 96. Um, and just kind of weird conversion rates like that. Um, but then in late 2018, they moved to this 10-point scale that the other companies are using, and it drastically changed the look of their label. And, um, you know, I've, I've seen some conversation about this recently on social media as well. Actually, I uh, somebody was, was pointing out 
a lot of the cards that Gary V had slabbed. I guess he had a lot of stuff slabbed at the National. Um, I was pointing out that he was selling a, a Curry, just a base Curry rookie that was an SGC 5.5, and just the ridiculousness of, of even getting that slab to begin with. And and he was, you know, honest. He just said, "Yeah, I made a mistake. I'm still learning." Um, but people were talking about that label, and and even though you know that was the main conversation is is just you know regarding what cards he graded the talk of the label came up and, and a lot of people said that they liked that change in the scale they liked that it you know it lined up as as people thought it should when they moved to that 10 point scale um, you know that like I said the other companies were using that um, I think people um, are also starting to warm up to that label and um, so with all of this information about SGC some of you might be wondering and, and since I've addressed grading on several episodes now why haven't I mentioned SGC well the the truth of the matter is I hadn't forgotten about them but when it comes down to the volume of cards graded and collector preferences they are a clear number three and it's not even close and that's no disrespect to them it's just that's historically, if you look at the numbers, that's that's the way it is. Um, even if you look at, um, I think I read somewhere that PSA has 13 full-time graders. SGC, at least at the time of the article, had four. So even you know the the uh, even the employees kind of mirror what the volume is. We can assume that just by that alone, the PSA probably has at least three times of what SGC has, and I would bet it's even more than that. Um, a few weeks ago, someone pointed out to me that we haven't seen all the goofs and mistakes with SGC that we have with the other two companies. Look, uh, my honest opinion is that their mistakes are probably still proportional to the big two companies. It's just that they don't grade as many cards. And I mentioned that we don't see a lot of modern basketball cards graded by them, but um, just last week, I saw an Anthony Davis auto and an Alonzo Ball auto that they had graded that were ridiculously short. One of the cards has um, Lonzo's knee is on the edge of the card, and it, it, someone had lopped off a good portion of his kneecap. Um, but you know they still fitted their black mat around it in the card, and they kind of framed it, and it looked nice. But yes, it was trimmed. Uh, with that being said, I think PSA and BGS have the most to lose in this whole thing, and SGC definitely has the most to gain. So yes. They've made their mistakes too, but if they can prove to be more competent and responsive, then you know they're the most poised of any company out there to step in and to make some noise. I don't know if they're ready for the full volume that a company like PSA or BGS takes on, or even half of it, um, but I also don't think that they would get all of that at once anyway. So they've adapted in the past, and with everything that's going on right now, maybe they deserve a shot. Um, so to bring this thing back, I know I kind of went off on a, a little run there on SGC, but I wanted you to know their history and a little bit about them. To bring this thing back, though, when I saw them out there liking my BGS tweets, I decided, okay, you know, it sounds like you want to talk here. If it was, um, you know, it was time to bring them in on the conversation. So um, specifically, they liked a message where I talked about serial numbers. So I asked them straight up how they logged theirs. You know, maybe Beckett could learn from them. Maybe we could have dialogue between competing companies. That'd be kind of crazy. Uh, and SGC responded. So I'm very thankful for that. So they said, um, our labels all state the serial numbers of cards. 
So if a card gets resubmitted, it should come up in our system as one we've already labeled. We are currently working on multiple ways to make the hobby safer and cleaner. You will continue to see SGC at the forefront of innovation in the years ahead. Um, so they are looking to um, you know do the right thing and to make changes where changes need to be made. At least that's you know that's what their approach here and their response indicates. Um, the fact that they're even talking is good, but the content here was good as well. So I decided you know while I have their attention. Uh, I wanted to talk to them about measuring cards because that's another big thing to me. I, I, you know, I think, and Adam and I talked about that, I think cards need to be measured. So I, I asked them and they said, uh, every single card we grade is measured. Well, there are certain size tolerances based on known variations. We take size very seriously when grading. Okay, um, so you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, size does matter. Um, at least when it comes to grading. And um, in all seriousness, I would like to think that the conversation with SGC has just started. I know you guys have a lot of questions, and in the future I'd like to be able to help get those answers. And I, you know, I don't have anything firmly in place now, but I am within driving distance of SGC. I have um, approached them, I've messaged them and let them know that. Um, so who knows, this might materialize into something. So just be on the watch for that. You know, I don't know for sure. We'll just have to keep asking questions and then we will wait and we will see. Okay, um, so moving on to the, you know, if you saw the title, you, you could see that that was only one topic that I want to touch on today. I'm going to kind of shift gears real quick here. But um, I would be certainly be remiss if I didn't address some of the Zion craziness from the last week and a half. So I want to talk about that. If any of you listening right now, if you're football or baseball people that are, are crossing over to hear the grading chatter, you might as well stay for this as well. Um, it gets pretty wild, and it also might help to explain some of the idiosyncrasies of the basketball market as it currently stands. Um, so let's go back in time a little bit. And, um, I, you know, it's been about a week and a half since I recorded my last episode just because I, you know, I mentioned there because of the hurricanes and stuff. So I wanted to get it done early. So the same day I recorded that episode, though, the first Zion Contenders auto hit eBay. And this was a really big deal. We talked some about the, the first off the line, you know, the servers crashing and all the, the hype surrounding this product. And, you know, it's the first certified Zion auto. So um, it was a sticker auto in a college uniform numbered to five. And by midday, I think this thing hit the $75,000 mark and it kept climbing. Um, it passed $100,000, you know, easily. Uh, but it was obvious that this thing was being shilled. You could go in, you could look at the bids, even... Um, it might have been this card or maybe another card, but someone that was selling a big card, he even posted screenshots of the bidding to say, look, I know this thing's being shilled. I don't know what to do about it. So, um, you know, it, it, these sellers were, were trying to just sell quickly and be up front with this. And, and even then it was nearly impossible to do so. Just there was a lot of craziness surrounding this. Um, so this one was obviously shield, and I was reading some of the conversation regarding this card on Blowout, and Adam was in that conversation, and he commented that this reminded him of the first time that the PMG Green Jordan 
was listed um, in the sense that people thought it would be funny to bid it up and they were bragging about it on Facebook. Hey, I just bid $200,000 and you know they wanted to get in on the action themselves because it was a, a moment of history in our hobby and I guess it gave them some personal satisfaction to be a part of it in that way. Well, a lot of people got personal satisfaction out of this auction, and it ended up having something like 80 retracted or canceled bids, and it ended, you know, keep in mind it was over $100,000, it ended at $3,900. You know, just a lot of manipulation at work from these people, or at least attempted, Um, and really there's no serious repercussions for these people. But I do want to look at it and examine that real quick today because it it does, however, have a serious impact on the hobby. And I've alluded to this before, but when all of the cards at the top uh, or all the new, the hot popular releases, when they're hyped and they're shielded to high heavens, this can trickle down to legitimate sales of cards that are beneath it as well. And, And that's not to say that the values will be perfectly proportionate to one another. But you better believe that there's some sort, some sort of effect. Um, so then as we move throughout the week, in addition to this one, the, the next two autos that were listed were also stickers numbered to five. Um, but we were seeing autos from different insert sets, though. We, there were school colors. There were college tickets. There were draft tickets. We figured out that, you know, it, it was obvious very soon that there were a lot of different Zion variations. And... Um, this whole pricing thing really threw people off, especially then when the, the new autos were emerging. And we didn't have this kind of mayhem and pricing for LeBron stuff. But um, throughout this whole ordeal, I, I saw a couple people point out that, you know, maybe the most similar thing that we've seen to this um, came from baseball recently with the um, Otani autos when they first hit the market. I think one of his first autos, um, I think it was the atomic number to 100, was bid up to $35,000. Now, there's a chance that some of those were legitimate sales, too. Um, Had this Zion stuff stayed lower at the start, I think we would have to consider that someone might be crazy enough to pay that kind of cash. Is it smart? No, I don't think so. But would it be legitimate? Well, it could be. You know, it only takes one stupid person with money or access to money or with the belief that they can get money um, to start a trend and then another stupid person to follow them. So... Um, but in this case, even early on, it looked blatantly shilled and, and we had bid, like I mentioned, we had bids disappearing and, and they were either canceled or retracted. So um, that's all right at the release point. That's all, you know, taking place around Tuesday or Wednesday of release week. And we still hadn't seen one of the optic on card autos. So this was just the stickers. Well, eventually those emerged. Um, I saw a number of the on card variations numbered to five that sold in the five to $8,000 range. Those have since dropped quite a bit. Um, and then there were the one of ones. Now, notice that was plural. Um, when the first one was pulled, the news hit social media that the, the one of one had already been pulled. And, you know, people were bummed out. And then, you know, you, you quickly you saw these responses that would say like, oh, you know, no, no, I saw the one of one pulled in this location. You know, it can't be there. Um, so by Wednesday night, we saw a regular 101 auto, supposedly. We saw a 101 variation auto, and then we saw one of the autoed printing plates. And we started to figure out kind of collectively, which this is the great thing about 
collector dialogue and, and you know the speed at which things move now. Uh, we figured out that there were a lot of Zion one ones, and uh, I saw a post from I've mentioned this website before on here, but 130point.com. He does all the checklists and he does kind of the checklist analysis. I think he said there were 33 total Zion one ones if you include the plates just in one product. Um, so anyway, the guy who pulled the championship ticket rookie auto one one, the one that has the rookie card logo on it. Um, he posted it in a couple of places. I think it was Facebook. He posted it on Blowout. Uh, and collectors started talking about what his next course of action should be. Because um, I already mentioned earlier that, you know, the guy that was selling the sticker auto, he knew it was shield. There was nothing he could do about it. It really sabotaged what he was doing. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I'm sure he, he, he did all right because of it. But, but it was tough. Um you know, normally you would just list it on eBay as soon as possible, but with all the shilling, that's going to be a headache. Uh, I almost felt sorry for this guy because it was going to be such a pain to sell, but then I remembered, you know what, he pulled a Zion Auto, so I think he'll be okay. Um, the early consensus, though, in this conversation was that he should bypass grading completely, which I agree with, and he should send it to someone else to sell. Um, I think that's the right move. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a Wax Museum listener on Twitter asked me what I thought about grading 101s. Well, in general, I'm not really into grading. You know, it's not never really been my thing. Uh, but I see the purpose behind it. Grading a 101, though, seems kind of goofy to me because it's it's already serial numbered to just one. You know, it's not going to become more rare. Um, if I were to grade a 101, I think it would only be if I had others and I wanted continuity or maybe if I just wanted it slab for protection or, or if I like the aesthetics of the slab. Um, but in regard to sending it off to sell, uh, PWCC would probably take a little while to list it. Um, so Probstein seemed like the likely candidate. And a lot of people also to- told him that he should take the card there in person. Because, you know what, after all, what's the cost of a flight compared to what he's going to be raking in if he gets this thing up first? That's the key thing. It's all about timing. Okay, basketball, I'm sure the other markets are as well, but I'm going to stick to what I know. Basketball is is very much about timing. Um, so, you know, if he wanted to do this, I wouldn't blame him at all. And, you know, I've had the, the Postal Service um, has lost some of my cards before. You know, I, I sold a card for $130 and they lost it. And thankfully I had insurance, but I wouldn't want to deal with all of that. And that was, you know, that was just a $130 card. That's just a fraction of what this one's worth. Um, so anyway, you know, m- maybe I'll get an update on that later, but I never saw what became of this card. I looked on Blowout and Facebook, but there weren't any updates. So hopefully this person sold quick. I wish them the best. Um, you know, I- I'm sure they were compensated well for it. Um, so I-, I continued to kind of follow these Zion autos as the week progressed and as they emerged. And I think I read somewhere that there were over 350 total autographs of his in this product and from the numbers that I've looked at it looks like they're starting to settle and that makes sense the more autos on the market that means that prices will go down so this this is a precursor of things to come if you're new to the basketball market you know it's still a a, a matter of supply and demand um and I know in the past that some of the contenders autos for the top guys have, have held firm for the most part, but it's few and far between. And I think it all depends on how he comes out of the gate too. 
Um, another factor that I was thinking about the other day that I really haven't seen discussed much we do obviously have people coming over from other sports from basketball and football and maybe even hockey as well uh, maybe the influx of football collectors will drive up the price of the contender stuff because it's a brand that they know it's an established brand they're comfortable with it I don't know you know I don't see them sticking around long term to overthrow any of the big trends in basketball but you never know my suggestion would be if you're an NBA collector specifically let them buy this stuff up save your money for the cards in the sets that matter um, and, you know even if you're a college collector some people will say well you know this stuff is valuable because it's Duke well you know there's we've already seen a, a preview for college flawless so some of that stuff will will drop anyway um, and then the NBA stuff will come out and I think it will drop even more I think even hoops can drop some of these prices over time um, it's just really popular because it's all that we have right now. Now, uh, I will say though, one problem that I think we're going to run into, or perhaps we have already, all the hoopla. Um, you know, even with the prices settling down some, the the hoopla surrounding everything has sort of set the tone going forward, and that's a little bit concerning to me. I was looking at at uh, presale prices for hoops boxes not too long ago. Um, this product it's similar it's just the same as last year it has a suggested retail price of $80 a box now some of the early reports I saw had it at $200 now I'm seeing it at 140 so it has gone down some um, but I really hope it's not going to get to that point point. and just to try and put that into perspective my wife and I cracked open a couple box, uh, hobby boxes last year at um, 75 bucks a piece just for fun and, uh, you know, it was the same thing. It was the only NBA product that was out at that time. We wanted to rip something new. Um, but when all was said and done, my wife turned to me and she said, wow, hoop sucks. And, you know, she's right. You know, sorry, hoops lovers, but I, I'm just, I'm not a fan of the product. Um, but the more that people hype all this stuff up uh, and just hype Zion up in general, it gives Panini every incentive and every reason to just print money. And I don't blame them. Um, so as I round out the crazy week of Zion, and I can't even believe that I, I'm having to talk about this, but I, I do feel like I should, because this makes for a perfect segue to the potato listings. Um, yes, you heard that right. They, there are literally listing, or there were literally listings for potatoes on eBay. Someone took a potato, took a Sharpie, they wrote a capital ZW on it, and they listed it as 20, uh, 2019 Zion Williamson game used lucky potato. And the description says, this potato flopped out during a live Duke basketball game. No one wanted to say it was theirs, but the initials would soon reveal the lucky potato's owner, ZW. Um, wow. So uh, surely that wouldn't sell, right? Okay, well... It got 67 bids and it ended for $23,300. Uh, shortly after a copycat potato was listed, it ended for $9 with free shipping. Well, it was then relisted and finally ended by the seller because the item, quote, was lost or broken um, or maybe mashed. Now, I get that as people trying to be stupid or funny, and I'll admit 
you know, I laughed when I read the description the first time because it's just so absurd. It's goofy. And I will say, though, something like this might seem innocent at first, but there are a couple of lessons that we can take away from it. Um, the first one is, in my mind, stunts like this only add to the hype and the hoopla. You know, it gets people worked up. No one's going to be stupid enough to really buy an overpriced spud. But people are watching this, and it might convince them to pour their money into some of the more legitimate pieces instead. Well, anything is more legitimate than one of these potatoes. Um, Secondly, I saw a story from um, a collector and a a seller of basketball cards on Instagram this week, and his I want to kind of give him his due here. Um, his name is Bas- is at basketball card guy, and um, he made a, a couple of posts that I thought were worth talking about. So I took some screen caps and I want to read it to you as I close out today. So he he posted a picture of a potato, and said, "As stupid as this is, it shows how easy it is to establish value. We need to realize that bumping a card up ten to twenty percent in value." is just as easy to do and far less obvious than this $19,000 potato. Um, I'm not going to add a lot of commentary on that. I've talked about price manipulation a little bit before. Just know that it is real and be careful out there. All right, so there you have it. Um, you know, I hope you hope that was uh, worth something to you this week. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, just to recap today, recap what I talked about. Zion Mania is already crazy. We've seen crash servers. We've seen cards shield to the moon, and most importantly, we've seen potatoes. Um, second part, I'd like to encourage you to keep the pressure on these grading companies. They should be able to make small but meaningful changes here at the start, and, and they're not. So please continue to let them know how you feel. Um, personally, I will continue to do so on my social media. Um, my Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Uh, check that out. Okay, And then maybe stick around. Watch me do a box break for the new Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box from Taco Bell. Uh, spoiler alert, it was delicious. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.